May we turn, please, to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 31, verse 11 and 12. When all Israel is come to appear before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose, thou shalt read this law before all Israel in their hearing. Gather the people together, men and women and children, and thy stranger that is within thy gates, that they may hear and that they may learn and fear the Lord your God, and observe to do all the words of this law. God was telling Moses that he had to take the whole congregation with him. The entire congregation was to be brought into the place where the Lord appointed for their worship, the men, the women, the children, the stranger that was in their house, all of them were to be brought together. Nobody was to be left out. And then when they were brought together, there were four things that were to come as a result of it. First, they were to hear. Second, they were to learn. Third, they were to fear. And fourth, they were to do. Now that's in that 11th verse, and that 12th verse is clear as anything could be. We've come down to the very end of the prophecy of Deuteronomy, and God's getting ready to tell Moses to teach them this song that we sang and we talked about some weeks back. And God said, Moses... You gather the entire congregation together. And when you get them together, there's one thing that I want you to do, and that's read this law which I've given to you to all of the people. The men, they need to hear it. The women, it's for them too. The children, it's for you. And son, this is for you. This is for you, young lady. You're supposed to listen to this. Did you know that? The Lord says that what he's put in here is of such a nature that you should listen to it. And he wants you, all the children. And then anybody else that's in thy house, the whole household, everybody that's related to you, Moses says you bring them together into the great congregation and then I want you to deal with them and I want you to present to them what I've given to you. And Moses says here that you gather these people together and then you proceed to teach them all the words of my law. Don't leave any of it out. The boys and girls can get it. The children can say it. They can understand what we're talking about. All the words of my law. Now he says, if you do this, this is what's going to happen. First, they'll hear it. 
And God has ordained that it is by hearing that we come into the knowledge of the truth. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. I was preaching last Friday night out in Coatesville. We had a great meeting out there, and we had two people saved at the close of the meeting as I gave the invitation. But I was telling those people just along this line, you can't be saved by reading the telephone directory. You can't be saved by studying the stock market calculations. You can't be saved by reading a cookbook and telling you how to make good cakes. Now, don't mind, I'm not in favor of the good, opposed to the good cakes. And I'm not against the telephone book, and I'm not even against the stock market quotations, provided you don't get into the wrong kind of stock. I'm not against these things. But I'm just trying to tell you that you're not going to be saved by listening to this sort of thing. You are going to be saved by listening to that which alone is able to change your heart and make you a new creature. And that is the word of God. That is the gospel of salvation. And then Moses said, after you hear, you're going to learn. And don't let anybody in this congregation go out and say, well, I know all about tithing. I know all about what Dr. McIntyre is going to tell us. I've heard him preach it now for 33 years. Beloved, I'm here in this pulpit today as the preacher, and I can tell you I still have something to learn, and I've learned something out of the message I'm going to give you today. You can never cease learning from the truth of the Word of God. It's of that very nature. You hear it, and then you learn. You're instructed. Something else impresses you. The Spirit of God takes that. And you grow in the knowledge of the Lord. And when you sit under the ministry of the gospel of Jesus Christ, you will grow in the knowledge of the truth. And your heart will be blessed, and your soul will be blessed. And you'll praise God for the marvelous things that God's given us and that which he's done for us. And then in the third place, Moses said, you'll fear God. Of course, the Old Testament word for fear is, is the same thing that we have in the New Testament for faith. You'll trust God. You're saved by faith, and then you walk by faith. You know, last Tuesday night when the joint boards of your church sat there studying this budget, and we saw that we were going to have to add about $18,000 to the budget of this church, more than we've ever had, ever done, anything in all the years. We've never had that much of an increase in our budget since I've been your pastor. And we said to ourselves, we'll just do it in faith and ask the Lord to give it to us. And God will give it to us. We need it. We've added an assistant pastor this year to look after our young people. And we have done a very blessed thing in meeting a need in our congregation in this particular area. And we realize it and we're going to say that's a worthy thing and we're going to support it. And then we have these other projects of our missionary outreach which we have always supported. And we're just going to advance the cause of our foreign board and our home board. And we're going to help more of these new churches get on their feet. And we're going to be the kind of a missionary church that puts the work of the Lord in the field of missions ahead of our own desires and our own interest. And the Lord Jesus Christ has told us to seek first these things, and he'll add these other things unto us. Somebody said to me the other day, Pastor, you always bring us a message on Malachi, but you're preaching on Moses now. How are you going to do it? 
And you know, that struck me. I've always preached on Malachi, but now I'm preaching on Moses. And how am I going to get Malachi into the picture? Well, you turn with me, please, to Malachi chapter 4, verse 4. Malachi chapter 4, verse 4. Now, of course, I didn't remember that this was here, but I read the book of Malachi through this week, the entire book, just sat down and read it through. And I ran into this verse, and it's a perfect verse. Malachi chapter 4, verse 4, Remember ye the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb, for all Israel with the statutes and the judgments. So, beloved, there's the whole book of Moses in the fourth chapter of, Deuteron of, of Malachi. Remember ye! And when is this? While well, Moses was 1,500 years before Christ, Malachi was just about 400 years before Christ. 1,100 years between Moses' day and the day of Malachi. And when you get to Malachi's day, 1,100 years after Moses lived, God says, Remember the words that I commanded Moses. And what God gave to Moses 1,100 years before, he says, you people right here and now remember today because I gave it unto Moses the statutes and the commandments and the judgment that I gave unto Moses, I gave unto you. And beloved, here it is in the precious book of Malachi. And now let me turn with you to this book of Malachi and just show you the setting and the, the structure of it. And you'll see what God is talking about when he tells us to do, to do. You do these things. You go out and be my witnesses. You give of your offerings. You give of your tithes. You bring of your first fruits. You do what I've commanded you in my house. Will you turn to Malachi, please, now, over to the last book of the Bible in the Old Testament, the last book of the Old Testament. And God has raised up Malachi, and we have an exchange that takes place in this book. It's utterly fantastic. Everything God says to them, they dispute it. God says there in chapter 1, verse 2, I have loved you, saith the Lord, yet ye say, wherein hast thou loved us? God says, I love you, and they come back and say, we haven't seen you love. We haven't seen it. Wherein hast thou loved us? And then we come down to chapter 1, verse 6, the latter part, O priests that despise my name, and ye say, wherein have we despised thy name? God says, you priest... You have despised my name. And the priests rise up and say, We're sorry, sir. We don't think we've despised your name. We've been getting along very well down here. Every time God charged them, they turned around and said, Nay, we haven't done it. And then you'll turn on down a little further. Notice how this thing moves all the way through this whole book of Malachi. Verse 17 of chapter 2. Ye have wearied the Lord with your words. Yet ye say, wherein have we wearied him? 
The Lord said, you've wearied me. You've just got words and you don't mean them. It's so much double talk. You're full of deception. And they say, no, no, wherein have we wearied thee? And God says, everyone that doeth evil is good. You call evil good and good evil and you put darkness for light and light for darkness and you're all mixed up and you're completely turned around. And God says, you've wearied me with your words. And they say, oh, no, we haven't wearied you. And then you move on down a little further to chapter the third chapter. And notice in this third chapter, verse 7, Return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But she said, Wherein shall we return? They won't even admit that they've wandered away. They won't even admit that they've turned aside. God says, You return unto me. And they say, Well, what do you mean? We haven't left you. We're still around. We're still here. Every time God challenged them, they came back with their dispute. And then verse 8, Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, Wherein have we robbed thee? God says, You've done it in your tithes and your offerings. God says, You've robbed me. You've wearied me. You, you don't believe I loved you. Uh, your priests have called that which is evil good. And then finally you come down to the 13th verse. Your words have been stout against me, saith the Lord. Yet ye say, what have we spoken so much against thee? Ye said, it is vain to serve God. Beloved, this is the spirit of apostasy. This is the spirit of a church that has its form. This is a spirit that has no godliness. This is a spirit that's putting all these worldly considerations of show and uh, representation so far as, as uh, hypocrisies are concerned. Here it is. And God says, shame on you people. I've loved you, but you don't believe it. I don't like your words. And they say, well, our words are all right. Now, this is the condition of the days of Malachi, and this is the condition of our days today. And God says to the children of Israel, you've robbed me. You've taken that which is mine. Now, let me point out to you two other things that are in the book of Malachi in this connection. The first one is... What God says to these priests. And second, what he says will be the estate of the Gentiles. These two things. Turn please to Malachi, the first chapter. And he says, who is there, verse 10, even among you that would shut the doors for naught? Nobody's going to do anything in my house unless he has his hands out and somebody's going to pay. Neither do ye kindle fire for naught upon my naught. Even the fellow that puts a little fire in the altar, you've got to see if he's taken care of and paid. I have no pleasure in you, saith the Lord. Neither will I accept an offering at your hands. New people come bring me offerings, but they're being brought out of the wrong spirit. They're being brought out of the wrong heart. You're not serving the Lord out of love. You're serving the Lord because somebody's going to pay you. Ye have profaned it. Ye have profaned, God said. Now verse 11. 
For from the rising of the sun even to the going down of the same, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. And in every place insult shall be offered unto my name and a pure offering. And a pure offering. God says the offering you bring to me should be pure in its spirit, pure in the heart out of which it's origin. it has originated. Poor, pure, and coming out of the heart of those of us who have nothing left, we just give as unto the Lord. Then you turn down to chapter 2. And in chapter 2, he develops this question concerning the priest. And he says, The law of truth was in his mouth, and iniquity was not found in his lips. He walked with me in peace and equity, and did turn away many from iniquity. For the priest's lips should keep knowledge, and they should seek the law at his mouth. For he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. But ye are departed out of the way. Ye have caused many to stumble at the law. Ye have corrupted the covenant of the Levites, saith the Lord God of hosts. The Lord Jesus Christ is speaking here. Moses is speaking and he's saying, Here are my messengers. I've established these priests to minister. And they should love the law. And they should teach you knowledge. They should lead you to an understanding of what I have for them. But he says, what have these men done? Well, he says, they have corrupted. They have departed. They have caused my people to stumble at my love. Instead of men standing in the pulpit and defending the word of God, They've come into the pulpit to tell you that Moses didn't write anything and the Old Testament's full of myths and you can't believe the Bible to be the infallible word and the people are stumbling around out here not knowing what to believe or where to go. And here in the days of Malachi, the last of the Old Testament, the last of the revelation before the coming of Jesus Christ and the coming of John the Baptist, here in these days we have conditions that parallel the times in which you and I are living at the present moment. And God is saying to the priest the same thing he said here. And God is saying to the people the same thing that he says here. And now he adds this beautiful, beautiful revelation that I want you to see. <clears throat> He says in verse 11, My name shall be great among the Gentiles. And then in verse 11, the latter part, For my name shall be great among the heathen, saith the Lord of hosts. And that text applies to you and me today. God says, you children of Israel, you've perverted my law, your priests have gotten corrupted. And he says, there's a day coming when I'm going to turn to the Gentile world, when I'll turn to the pagan world, and out of that pagan world, I'll bring a great company that will believe in Christ and be saved, and they'll be grafted in, the wild branches will be grafted into the olive tree. And they shall be partakers of the marrow and the root of that tree and the blessings of Abraham will come upon the Gentiles. And beloved, we are that today.
Here we are. Down through these centuries as God dealt, here's Moses, here's Moses' law, here they are, here's the great apostasy to Israel, here's the close of the, New, of the Old Testament period, and the Lord is saying, now because you people have had false priests that have deceived you, because you people turned aside, and every time I ask you, I said, I've loved you, you say, you don't love me, and I question your words are stout against me, and you say, what's wrong with our words? I tell you, you've robbed me, and you say, well, wherein have we robbed thee? You haven't listened to the word. You haven't received the word. Moses said, listen to this law. Learn from this law. Fear God. And then go out and do it. And you haven't done it. You haven't read. You haven't learned. You haven't feared. And you haven't gone out and done the works of the Lord that I've commanded you to do as my people. And now I tell you, my name will be great among the Gentiles. There'll be a day when the Gentiles will come and they'll offer pure offerings unto me. And Moses says, bring the whole congregation, bring the children, uh, bring the mothers, bring the fathers, bring the folks that are in your house, bring them all. And you listen to this. And Moses says, there'll be a day when among the Gentiles they'll offer up offerings to me that I will accept. They'll bring me offerings that I'll delight in. They'll bring me offerings that manifest their love. And so it is when you turn over into the New Testament and our Lord Jesus Christ is speaking of these great things and he says you can't serve God and mammon. If you're going to serve me, you'll love me. If you're going to serve mammon, you'll love the mammon. You must put the mammon down below God and God must be first. And he says if I put God first, he says I'll take care of these other things for you. And then when you turn into 2 Corinthians, the two great chapters there dealing with uh, this matter of giving 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 9 in chapter 9 and here the apostle Paul spends two great areas saying that you can manifest your love the test of your love the proof of your love the evidence that your heart is right is the way in which you come and you give to advance the ministry of the gospel and to build my church Oh, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. And then if you look just a little further in this same passage, over in chapter 2 it is, verse 15, you have another reference that you've never had your pastor develop for you before. But here it is. Never before have I touched on what I've shown you this morning in all the years I've been preaching from Malachi and from the Word. But notice verse 15. And he did, and did not he make one... Yet hath he the residue of the Spirit, and wherefore one, that he might seek a godly seed. Therefore take heed to your spirit, therefore take heed to your spirit, and let none deal treacherously against the wife of his youth. Malachi is saying you people are having family troubles and your families are all split up and the husband's mad at the wife and the wife's mad at the husband. Didn't he make you one? Didn't he put you together? Didn't he want you to be joined together so a faith could be raised up? And then he said you must be concerned about a godly seed. Bring in the men, bring in the women, bring in the children, bring in the stranger. Let them hear the Word of God. Let them learn what the Word of God has as they grow in grace. Then let them fear the Lord every day. And then let them go out and do the things that I've asked them to do in my ministry and in my service. 
a godly seed, a pure offering, a testimony among the Gentiles. And that's what we'd like to be. That's exactly what we'd like to be. That's exactly what we've sought to be. I can say to you people as I stand in this pulpit that God's given to us, there's only one explanation for the Collingswood Church, just one. It's this book. We've been reading it to you. We've been preaching it to you. This is it. The only infallible role of faith and practice. And now that you and I have come to a day in the history of the Christian world when the great Presbyterian church that was brought into this land by our pioneer forebears and they brought the Bible and they brought the Westminster Confession of Faith, that great church in May of this year is going to formally lay aside the Westminster Confession of Faith. And they're going to eliminate these two ordination vows that your pastor took and that we've all taken. The first one is, do you since believe the scriptures of the Old and the New Testament to be the Word of God, the only infallible rule of faith and practice? And before God, your pastor said it when he was ordained, your pastor says it today, and your pastor will say it when he breathes his last breath and takes leave to go to be with the Lord. This is the Word of God. And now the great Presbyterian church is going to lay it aside. And then the second great vow, do you sincerely receive and adopt the Westminster Confession of Faith as containing the system of doctrine set forth in Holy Scripture? And the answer is yes, I do. But no longer will that be asked of Presbyterian elders, Presbyterian ministers. The very foundations are falling out from under the church. And they're moving the church away from the pillars upon which it has stood over here to another foundation which they've tried to erect out of their own thinking in the 20th century. And it's in into this moment, it's into this hour that you and I have come. Beloved, I wouldn't know how to preach the Bible if I didn't believe it was a system of doctrine. I don't know how I'd start. I don't know where I'd end. I don't know where I'd come out if I didn't believe in this great system of doctrine. What is it? God created everything for His glory. Man fell into sin brought judgment and condemnation upon him. God then, in his mercy, decided that he'd reach down here and in the person of his son, the seed of the woman, he'd deal with this question of disobedience. He'd satisfy these demands of his judgment for us and that his son would go to that cross and die in the very heart of this system, the very glory of this story is this cross. The cross isn't detached. It doesn't hang out here somewhere just dangling in space. The cross is the center of all history. The cross is the crucial point in which a just and righteous God provided for the deliverance of the people who had sinned against him. And then Jesus Christ was raised from that dead on the third day and he ascended into the heavens and there he sits today, our great redeemer and our high priest and he's hearing our ministry as we seek to honor his word and he'll know what you'll give next week when you make your pledges in this great 
canvas of ours and then we're waiting for that moment of time when the Lord himself shall descend the trumpet will sound the dead will be raised there'll be a great gathering of the elect from the four ends of the heavens and they'll come together in that day, day of resurrection it's a story it's a system it's a unit it's a great and glorious report it stands together and if you pull it apart here you break the bloodstream that runs through it if you pull it apart here you've broken the unity of this great covenant in this plan of redemption God has coveted with his son that by grace he would bring us to himself and I believe in the system of doctrine which the Bible gives unto us and that's what we're seeking to proclaim and here in the midst of Malachi God says I am the Lord I change not I change not no change in God no change in his love, no change in his grace, no change in the marvelous plan that he's ordained whereby you can be delivered from sin, whereby you can get the grace you need to live a godly life day by day saying no to Satan. And when you stumble into temptation, he'll cleanse you of your sins and restore you to fellowship. Oh, beloved, this is the life which we have. And it's in the midst of this kind of an apostasy in our last days that God is saying to you and me, now you bring a pure offering. You be concerned about a godly seed. You be concerned about these children and these young people. See that they're taught and bring them in to the great congregation and teach these little children to listen to the reading of the Bible. And now, beloved, finally I want to show you this little thing that's tucked in at the end of Malachi. Oh, I want you, it's just tucked in at the end of it here. You usually don't think about it, but here it is. Verse 16. Please turn to your Bibles, will you? Here we are. This is the Bible Presbyterian Church in here in verse 16. <laughs> These are the little remnants of the last days. They're just put in right here. Notice. Then they that feared the Lord. They that feared the Lord. Not these priests. Not this great multitude that was gainsaying everything he said to them. They that feared the Lord. They that did not rob the Lord. They who brought the Lord his tithes and his offerings. They that sought to honor what Moses said they should honor. What did they do? They spake often one to another. They liked to come to prayer meeting. They spake often one to another. We've got the biggest prayer meeting in all this area. Nobody challenges that, but... We love to come to prayer meeting. And you know what my problem is in this church? My big problem in this church is that I can't get people to go home after the services are over. That is the truth. You never saw the like. Wednesday night prayer meeting, people stay around here, have committee meetings, another meeting, they sit around and talk, and people do more visiting in my church than you do in your homes. That's the truth. And after the service this morning, you just wait and see. After we have the service and the benediction, everybody's quiet. And final postlude is given. They're standing out there. They're standing around here. They're standing around the corner. Even the choir comes back, and some of them like to talk. That's the truth. We're the talkingest people. We're the friendliest people. And this passage says, They that feared the Lord spake often one to another. And do you know when you look at the social life that you people have? I never saw a church that had so many circles in it. Many circles. 
I remember not very long ago, Miss McIntyre and I went off one evening for a little dinner. We went right there, one of these nice places where people go to eat. And here were two tables of my people sitting in there together. That's right. I can't go anywhere without running into you. It's the truth. You never saw the like. It's this group and this group and this group and they're interlocked and they're interrelated in all these different classes. And you're the most, the happiest people I saw because you speak often one to another. Now look at the rest of that. And the Lord hearkened and heard it. The Lord's going to be with us next Sunday, beloved. Something's going to happen in this church next Sunday. You people are going to give like you never gave before. You're going to give more of your tithe to the church, some of you, than you ever gave before. Some of you that never tithed in your life are going to say, well, if that's the way it is and God promises to take care of me, I'll do what he says and I'll let him take care of me. And a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon my name, upon his name. The Lord says they knew who they are. Here they are. Beloved, you need to have your name on a church roll. That stands for the Word of God. This week as I was on the radio and I was taking telephone calls, some lady called in from Haddon Heights and I was asking for some contributions, if you'll remember. And she, the first thing she says, I want to join your church. Well, I wished a lot of people would want to join this church. Because this church is a church that's separate and it's united in its loyalty to this great confession and we're not ashamed of this blessed book which is the Word of God. Now notice what he says here. And they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up my jewels. And I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. Then shall ye return and discern between the righteous and the wicked between him that serveth God and him that serveth him not. And beloved, one of the most difficult things that anybody has to do right this very minute, it makes no difference where you are, who you are, as who's serving the Lord. Are we going to listen to these men who are calling for separation? Are we going to listen to these men who say we must go out and bear reproaches and build a great church? Or are we going to listen to these other men? They preach the gospel. They sound just like these other men. But they say, stay in. Who are you going to listen to? And God says that if you obey my commandments, ye shall return and you'll be able to discern. Discern. God will show you in your heart between him that serveth God, him that serveth him not. And these fine lines here that mark the parting of the way and the loss of so many good works, these fine lines you'll be able to see and you'll be able to understand. And when I stand before you today with a book of Moses in my hands and I see you people seated here in the congregation and I see here's a family that drove 60 miles, here's a family that drove 80 miles, here's another family that drove 25 miles and I find that my church now is becoming sort of a magnet for people coming in all this area. You're coming in here and you'll drive these great distances so you can come and sit in a church where you have no unequal yoke with apostasy and where you can hear the Word of God preached, and where you can hear the standards that God wants you to live by held up before you. And Moses said, get the families together. Bring all the people together, the fathers and the mothers and the children and those in your household. And you come and you read my law to them. 
And then you have them learn, grow in the knowledge of the things of God. And then let the fear of God abide on their hearts. And then when the fear of God is on their hearts, they will go out and do what I commanded. There'll be no problem about giving the Lord the first tenth of all your increase and being careful to see that that's tithing. But your offerings, that's over that. Oh, bring ye all the tithes into my storehouse. Beloved, God doesn't want His people to desert His work. God wants His work supported. God wants the ministry of the gospel backed by the people of God. He says, don't you rob me. Don't you rob me. He says, if you'll do it, I'll just open the windows of heaven. And I don't doubt, beloved, that there's a relationship. I'm sure there is. I told you a few moments ago that I believe the Lord has kept this pulpit because you've got some strong preaching here. We're not letting the word down. I'm not adjusting the word to you people. I'd never attempt to do it. I'm trying to adjust you people to the word. I'm not like these preachers say, well, my congregation can't take all that. That's a little bit too much. I'll ooze up on it. I'll, I'll work up on it. But they spend their life working to get up there. God says, don't you try to adjust my program to your people. You adjust your people to my program. And I'll take care of the church. I'll take care of their hearts. I'll take care of their giving. I'll take care of their missionary program. And then I'll speak to their little ones. And I'll give them a vision of going out and serving the Lord. I'll speak to some of their men who are heads of families. And they'll go to work and they'll work on agencies and on boards. And they'll give their time and they'll witness. And they'll go everywhere helping to build a great movement. And beloved, if we're going to build a church in these last days, we must meet often one with another. And we must work together because God has put us here in the United States of America. In Kerala today, the communists came to power by a vote. By a vote in Kerala. They did it. And we are the people in this land and in this country and in this place where God has put us that we shall lift up this standard that will expose all this evil and wickedness and tyranny about us. And we'll be a people who love our God. God bless us. Let us pray. Our Father, we thank Thee for this final reference to Moses in Malachi. Oh, how happy we were to find it there. And thou didst say that thou didst command it. I didst command it. And Lord, we thank thee that it is thy word which Moses gave us. And now, Lord, bless this congregation of people. And may we be able to carry on the work and to hold our standards high. And especially do we pray for these saints in Kerala today. Lord, protect them from the communists. Bless these dear men whom we love and know. Lord, we feel almost as though we're under the communist with them. Oh, Father, help our people. Amen. Amen.